When a woman hitches a ride with a creepy trucker, you will guess what happens next. And then we go hunting with three Indians in Canada. The year is 1938. They're looking to just shoot some elk, bag a deer or two, but instead they find a bear fighting Bigfoot. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I think you guys can hear I'm feeling much, much better. Still a little short-winded, still can't breathe through my nose, but I'm a-okay on everything else. It's funny because I've been in self-isolation for about four days, four days in a row, but at a certain point it's like I gotta go outside, right? Going crazy in here. So I was, I went, and I don't have the coronavirus, okay? If I do have it, everyone in town has it. But anyways, I'm walking down the street, and we're after the day where everyone flooded the Walmart, flooded the Rite Aid, the Walgreens, the Rosars, bought all the stuff. The day after everyone panicked, walking down the street, everything's kind of back to normal. People are at the coffee shop, people are buying overpriced toys, it's just the way Hood River is. But every so often I'd go... <laughs> And I'd have a little cough. I felt like the guy in a zombie movie who's gotten bit, but doesn't want anyone else to know that he's bit. I'd be like walking around and I'd be like, I have to cough. And I'm like, uh-uh-uh. I'm like duck into an alley and go, <coughs> coughing on my elbow. Did anyone see that? Expecting cops to come and trank me. And the next thing I know, I wake up in some isolation ward in China. But I am still taking the steps to self-isolate. I'm still doing all that. I have one more grocery run to do tomorrow. And then I'm sitting well. I have a lot of stuff now, but I'd like to diversify my food and drink supplies. But I hope you guys are doing great. And honestly, other than like funny stories like I just told you, feeling like I was the traitor in a zombie movie, we're really not going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to treat the coronavirus like I treat politics on this show. You get enough of that just turning on the television set. Doesn't mean it's not important. But you get enough of it. So every so often I might tell a funny anecdote or two, but we're not going to talk about any conspiracy theories. I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. I already read too much of it, and it gets kind of overwhelms me, and then I'll just have to, you know, go and start playing Balloon Invasion, which is some Flash game from, like, 2011. It's like my comfy game. Or I'm playing Minecraft and stuff like that. So we're not going to talk about coronavirus, unless huge news pops up about it. Um, I think you, there's major outlets that can cover that. We're going to cover fun stuff like our next story. Now, our next story is fun for us because we weren't involved in it, but there's <laughs> multiple people suffered because of this story. Still very fascinating. And I want to give a shout-out to a classic Patreon. I want to give shout-outs to people who continue to support the show. Dave. Dave is one of the earliest Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps a lot. We're going to give you the... And if you can't support the Patreon... You can always help the show out just by getting the word out. I always want to give a shout-out to the people out there, too, who can't financially support the show. You can still help get the word out about the show. That helps a lot as well. But thank you so much, Dave, and all my other Patreons as well. Dave, take the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are hitting the highways. Checking up the highways. Going down the road. I can't sing the rest of that. You guys are like, I don't even know what song that was, you lunatic. If I sing the rest of it, the video will get taken off YouTube, but let's just say some people are born to be wild. That's unrelated to the tune I was just singing. It's May 22nd, 2019, so very, very recent. Those are cars driving by. We're in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. 
And it's Interstate 24, and this woman's car, this unnamed woman, she should be named. We'll know why. I'll tell you why she should be named at the end of it. Her car is out of gas. Oh, no. What? Did I forget how to operate a car? Actually, no, I shouldn't make fun of her. I've had cars run out of gas multiple times. So we're not going to mock her because I can't, I'm empathetic. If I never ran out of gas, I would totally make fun of her. Cars are driving by her. Middle of nowhere. And then a truck, like a big rig, pulls up. Slows down. Man, I've really got my sound effects on point today. I should get sick more often. Birds are chirping. Okay, that was pushing it. That was pushing it. Anyways, truck pulls over. The trucker's name is Roy Nelshk. Roy Nelshk. And he's like, hey, ma'am, you need a lift? Now, we're not going to make this an interactive episode, but if you were in this situation, your car's out of gas, you're in the middle of nowhere, a semi pulls up, and a guy offers you a ride, would you get in? If a truck... I've had people offer to give me rides because I walk around Sacramento all the time. Did I tell you guys about that? I did tell you that guy was like all super creepy and trying to get me in his car because he wanted to bang me. I know I mentioned that a couple episodes. You're like, no, you never told us that story. Yeah, but I'm not going to tell it now. But anyway, so sometimes I'm walking through Hood River and people pull up and be like, hey, you want a ride? And I'll be like, no, stranger danger. I don't tell them that, but I don't get in rides with people I don't know. So anyways, you wouldn't get in this truck, right? I, I wouldn't get in this a semi at all. I want to get in a semi-truck of someone I knew, because I still think they were a serial killer. But anyways, this woman goes, I don't know what time of day this happened, but this woman goes, sure, I'll get in your truck. <sighs> so anyways, this is, you know what happens next, right? But you don't. This, I love this story. <coughs> truck is driving, the lady's in the passenger seat, and the truck driver's driving. And she needed to get off at this next exit. And the truck driver's like, yeah, totally. <coughs> past that exit and she's like oh no 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 i was supposed to get off that exit he's like oh oh, sorry sorry passes the next exit now she's getting nervous sweating hearts racing past the next exit she starts freaking out because now she realized she made a mistake roy the truck driver pulls out a gun and says i'm gonna kidnap you and i'm gonna rape you now i don't know if he said it like that he probably was a little more menacing and he probably like I don't know, like, I don't know if he built it up or sugarcoated it or something, but I don't know if he was that blunt. But the point is, is that now she's aware that she got into the wrong truck. She's going to be kidnapped, which she's currently being kidnapped, and raped, and possibly murdered, right? He didn't threaten to murder her, yet. Get in the sleeper part of the cab. Which is a little, like, box room, if you're not familiar with semi-trucks, behind the driver's wheel. (laughs) I'm apparently not familiar with with semi-trucks, but you know where the driver wheel, you know, the steering wheel, that's what it's called. The place where the driver sits and steers it, behind him is like a bed. So imagine if it was Optimus Prime, it would be like in where Optimus Prime's head is. That's where the sleeper area is. So she gets back there, and he, or he's trying to get her back there, and she starts fighting. She starts putting up a fight. So he's driving this semi, and she, he's fighting this girl, and she gets the gun. And she points it at him, and pulls the trigger. Click. Now... It's unknown whether or not the gun was unloaded or the gun misfired. I think the gun was unloaded, honestly. I think if you looked at serial killer, like if you really like delved into serial killer stuff, I bet a lot of times they use unloaded guns because that's even more like, you could have got away, but I tricked you with my gun. Uh, serial killers are so just like mentally ill, mentally deficient, and they're so powerless in normal life that any amount of power they can get is what they crave. 
generally, I've said this before, serial killers... Serial killers are people, men, really, men whose dicks don't work. When you bake, bake it down to that, it's men who can't get off unless they're killing people who remind them of their mom or the girl who broke up with them in high school and they never got over it. Like, all serial killers, even the serial killers who are trying to bang their dad or the boy who broke up with them in high school, like John Wayne Gacy, it's all, their dicks don't work. I should have said this is going to be an explicit episode. So, they need every sense of power. So, Having a loaded gun and pointing it at someone is a sense of power, but tricking someone, being like, oh, you could have got away if you knew the gun wasn't loaded. <laughs> now you're chained up and you can't get away. I think, because John Wayne Gacy did that. He'd handcuff, he'd go, hey, you want to see a magic trick? It wasn't so much the fact that he overpowered the kids. It was the fact that he tricked them into their own demise. John Wayne Gacy would put handcuffs on and then put his hands behind his, or have his hands behind his back, put the handcuffs on and then go, ta-da, look it, I did it. It's a magic trick. You want to see how to do it? And the kid would be like, yeah, sure. He'd get handcuffed behind the back, and John Wayne Gacy would say, the trick is to have the key. <laughs> and then he would kill the kid. And so that's part of that power trip. Now, John Wayne Gacy, his dick didn't work. Unless he was in that situation, he was a powerless little man. And that's this guy, too. This guy, I'd have no respect for serial killer. We've done episodes on this in the past. Long-time listeners are like, oh, fast-forwarding, I've heard this rant. But it's important. Because I think they're punks. And I think they're little babies. They didn't get enough love in their life. So now they think they can kill a couple prostitutes. And then everything. Now they're powerful. <laughs> Whatever, bro. Disgust me. But anyways, let's get back to this piece of filth. He's driving down the road. She grabs the gun. She pulls the trigger. Nothing happens. He pulls another gun out. And pistol whips her. Handcuffs her. Throws a blanket on her. Now, I'm assuming at points he was... At least slowing down the truck. I don't know if he was going 60 this whole time. but And he actually is still driving, because I now remember this part. I remembered as in I looked over at my notes. So he is still driving, because what happens is she's handcuffed. She's underneath a blanket. She slips one of her hands out of the handcuff, takes the blanket, throws it over his head, gets him in a chokehold, and begins, grabs the wheel and begins swerving the semi side to side across the freeway. At this point, the guy pulls over and kicks her out of the truck. He's just like, this is not, this, whatever my intent was, totally not worth it. He kicks her out of a truck. Another car is driving down the road and sees kind of what's going on. Pulls over and she goes, oh my God, you won't believe what just happened. He's like, yeah, I saw you get kicked out of a car and you have handcuffs on yeah yeah call the police the police pull over this truck the trial's going on now this is why this is in the news roy ends up getting arrested pretty quickly and the trial's going on now so we're getting all this information out about him so first you're thinking maybe he's just some guy who can't get it up and then he decides to pull a gun out and try to like rape this woman or try to have power over this woman what the police have found they found in his property trucks and home and all that stuff a ledger full of the names of women and children which is weird i don't know how they'd have how they know the names are of children unless it was like bobby or like current names like all the names are like edward and bella you'd probably be like oh those are kid names but other than that they must be able to connect it to some living people he had in his possession not only did he have this weird ledger but he had ten thousand images of child abuse he had bloody underwear in his truck he had chat conversations with other people offering children for abuse blood on his steering wheel blood on his driver's seat 
blanket with bloodstains, rope, handcuffs, stun gun. Which is funny, because it's a good thing. That's not funny. Not that owning a stun gun's funny. But it's a good thing he didn't use that on her. Because it could have went somewhere else. So they don't know if Roy Nellish is some sort of sicko serial killer. If he's just a sicko. If he's a poser. If he's a pretender. Who knows? But he's currently on trial. And hopefully, he goes to prison for a long, long time. And I'll say this, the reason why we should know that woman's name, because that's pretty badass, right? That's badass. Like, that woman, and I can understand her not wanting to get her name out there, but especially, it's kind of creepy that he has, like, this chat convos with others offering these kids for abuse. Who are those other people, and why aren't they in jail? Hopefully, they're headed to jail. Maybe she just doesn't want the attention or something like that, but that that's a hero. We applaud you, nameless woman on Interstate 24, because you took every step you needed to to survive. And when you're dealing with a sicko creep like that, you stopped him. His reign of terror ended because you were totally badass. So that a- applause is not is not sarcastic. Really, I mean, I you are an honorary member of the Fluffle. Which is the name, which is the, the scientific name for a group of rabbits. You are a honorary member of our Patreon, Nameless Woman. Um, that's weird. How do you be an honorary member of Whatever, whatever. You are a dead rabbit radio um, person. I don't know. You guys get it. I'm trying to instill an honor on her, but I don't really need to because nature made her an awesome butt kicking person. That's all the honor she needs. Anyways, maybe she's traveling America now, killing other serial killers. So, I thought that story was really interesting. That guy's disgusting. And I was able to go off on another serial killer rant. It's been about 200 episodes since I've done that. Because I don't want to beat a dead horse. But, God, I hate those guys. Let's go ahead and, though, and move on to our next topic. So, Dave, let's go ahead and fire up the Carpenter Copter. We're going to park the Jason Jalopy. We're going to take the Carpenter Copter because we've got a long way to go from Kentucky. We're headed up to, I think so. I don't know. I don't know where it's at on a map. We're headed up to British Columbia. And we're going to a place called Chilliwack. Now, we're going to talk about a very bizarre news article. And when I first saw it, I go, hmm... There's a large possibility this news article doesn't exist. We've run into that a lot on the, this podcast, where we find a news article and find out that it's forged, or it's some viral marketing for some movie or something like that. This one, I actually found the article. It, it was published in a newspaper called the Chilliwack Progress. You can go to the link. It's in the newspaper's archives. This article is 100% real. Whether or not the events are... The article's real, so that's a good sign, because we've covered we've uncovered a lot of hoaxes on this show. But anyway, so we're headed up to Chilliwack, and that's in British Columbia. We're going back to the year, it's 1938. It's February 23rd, 1938. And we're going to land, and first we're going to pick up a newspaper, because this is an odd, this, 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 every news article should have a lead like this. The lead's always the first paragraph of the article in a newspaper, Newspapers are written like an inverted pyramid. The way they do it is the most important information is at the top, and the further you read in the article, the less important the information gets. It's very easy to edit, and you can just stop reading halfway through. And then there's a thing called burying the lead, where you have the most important stuff at the bottom. But this one, that's from journalism, (laughs) that's from my journalism degree, but every article in the world should be written with this... Every article should just start with this paragraph, actually, but if you can't start with this paragraph, you should start with this style. Here we go. A terrific battle. A fight for life of prodigious strength, matched against savage ferocity between a hairy giant of the Sasquatch. 
So right in the article, they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, Bigfoot exists. This is a real newspaper. This isn't a tabloid. This is an actual newspaper. Still around, apparently. A terrific battle. A fight for life of prodigious strength matched against savage ferocity between a hairy giant of the Sasquatch and a huge bear. Which, after ten minutes of wild struggle, fury, and rage... Dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to give away the ending... They do. There's a thing called burying the lead. <laughs> There's a thing just giving away the ending in the opening paragraph. They should have just ended it there. But that's how every article should be. It's just one of that that just gets your heart pumping. So in this article, it explains the story of these three Indians. They're Harrison River Indians. So let's join them in the forest. This happens only a week before February 23rd. So we don't have far to go back in time. And there's three dudes walking through the forest. They're hunting, just hanging out. They're looking to shoot living things in the brain and then consume the meat for energy and maybe make some new shoes. I don't know. But they're walking through this forest. And they haven't shot anything yet. They're really disappointed that nothing is dead. And they're like, oh, dang it. And, you know, they're probably hungry too. But anyways, they can't find anything. And then, in the forest... Now, in this article, the main guy being quoted of the uh, Indian, I want to say Native Americans, but they're in Canada, the Indians, is a guy named Jimmy Craneback. He's being quoted in this article, and he's saying they heard this roar. They're deep in the forest. They hear this roar. Birds <laughs> scatter out of their nests, fly off into the sky. They hear trees. <laughs> getting pushed like something's pushing against them. They can hear the trees crack. They can see the leaves sway through the treetops. Okay, maybe they didn't see that part. But the fact is that they're not eight feet tall. They can't see over the treetop. But they hear the the crack of tree branches snapping and loud thuds. Like two things are just going to war in the middle of this forest. Throwing each other up against trees. A true battle of the beasts. So these three dudes are like, okay, here's the thing. That's super spooky, right? We don't want to go anywhere near that. But it's February. And bears are super hungry around this time. They're really lean. They're really angry. And we got women in the woods doing the gathering thing. We're doing the hunting thing. Women are like picking up mushrooms and collecting berries and all that stuff. So we have to at least see what that is. Because if it's two bears fighting, we'll go kill them both. We'll bring home some bear meat. Or we'll just scare them off so everyone else here doesn't have to worry about getting mauled to death. So the three men begin walking through the woods towards the sound of the commotion. Keep hearing it again closer. So now at this point, when they get to the ravine, they go, okay, now we got to make a decision because there's definitely two bears fighting here. If they they look like they're going to fall over, they're wrestling, it's so it's such a violent match, it looks like they're both going to fall into the river. Then they're just they're both going to die and no good comes out of it. Let's shoot them now, and then we can at least eat them. I mean, they're both going to die anyways, but we get something. So they raise their rifles. They're ready to aim. And right before they can take a shot, One of the creatures, one of the supposed bears, says something. Poo, woo, woo! Echoes through the forest. 
The Indians look at each other and they're like, oh, it's the Sasquatch. And they know that. They said if he had said nothing, they both would have been dead. They would have shot them both. And then they'd have been like, oh, no, it's Sasquatch. We shot this mythological creature in the brain. I guess we're still going to eat it. I wonder if anyone's eaten Sasquatch. I wonder if anyone's eaten Bigfoot meat. That would actually be an interesting thing. Like, you always have, like, the ultra-rich, like, oh, they inject the blood of the young, or they're eating babies. We should start a conspiracy theory that the ultra-rich dine on Bigfoot meat. That's why you can never find them. Because George Soros has eaten all of them. He's like, hmm, I love the Yeti, but North American Sasquatch has a particular meaty... They're all meaty, it's meat, but... Anyways, new conspiracy theory. The ultra-rich eat Bigfoot. They, though, realize that, oh, this is Bigfoot. Like, we've heard about Bigfoot in our area. Let's not shoot him, and let's start cheering. They're like, yeah, go on, Bigfoot. Go, woo So with the cheering behind him, Bigfoot turned like, oh, me feel better now. Me, and oh, get home turf advantage. He gets the bear in a headlock, a chokehold, really, and chokes him out. <laughs> they say that the bear's tongue was sticking out of its mouth as the Bigfoot got the chokehold even tighter, tighter, tighter. And then finally, the bear went limp and then died. But that's not enough for Bigfoot boys. He's not that type. He's not just going to choke you out and leave your body there. He then picks the bear up and throws it into the river. And the the Indian dudes clap as Bigfoot walks away. So then they came back to town and they told everyone this story. Now, whether or not that story is true, who knows? It does raise a couple interesting questions. One, Bigfoot would be beating the crap out of bears constantly. Bears are very violent, territorial. Bigfoot, he doesn't really have many places to go. He lives in the woods. They're both giant. I think if you... And we could do math on this, or I could probably watch a YouTube video on this, but a gorilla versus a bear, I think the gorilla's stronger. I think. The bear has, like, the big old claws... All the muscle to punch through, but I'm pretty sure the gorilla could to break them off. And I don't think it would be a controversial statement to say that Bigfoot's stronger than a gorilla. So I think it at least would be a savage battle. But you go, Jason. So we have the story of three men back in 1938. There's no evidence for this whatsoever. It was printed in this newspaper. It's a very entertaining article. You can read it in the show notes. That's, I mean, any three dudes can go walking through the woods. The story's over 100 years old. There's no, Because that's not the only encounter of a Bigfoot and a bear. And not only is that not the only encounter with a Bigfoot and a bear, that is the encounter you would tell a little baby to put them to sleep. Oh, Bigfoot is nice and chokes the bear out and throws him in the water. Let's go to Russia. It's autumn, 1989. We're in the Ark, Archangelsk, Archangelsk region in Russia. There's a guy. He's a professor of medicine. His name's Dr. N. Alutsky collecting herbs in the middle of the forest. So, 
we have a story that's much more recent in time with a doctor, supposedly, assuming this guy exists. We'll just assume he exists for the, for the entertainment value of the story. But we have a doctor who's most likely still alive. And he's a professor of medicine. Again, assuming that the author didn't just make this up. This is taken from a magazine, a paranormal magazine called Periscope. It's written by Paul Stonehill. But anyways. Dr. Alutsky is hanging out in the forest. He's collecting herbs and stuff like that. He's probably a nerd. This is his hobby. He's like, ooh, a particularly delicious herb. I heard this, the herb that I'm supposed to eat, but I don't want to throw up while I eat disgusting herbs. Oh, yes, I'll take a lot of these. Herbs are gross. And he's sitting there. He's by the river. There's. It's funny because there's some parallels in this story. This one, the guy's collecting herbs. In the first story... The Indians were afraid of other people just kind of randomly collecting herbs. Both of these stories take place by a river. Both of these stories involve a Bigfoot and a bear. That's where they end. Because in this story, he's sitting there, he's collecting herbs and berries and all that stuff. And he sees a bear cub kind of walk out of the forest. And begin yelping at him. And he's like, are you kidding me? And then he hears, also in the forest, the mama bear coming. And he's like, okay, herb mission, herb mission is over. I'm out of here. All he has is a knife on him. He gets up and he starts running because he knows that he, it's already too late. Like he knows the fact that he can see the baby bear means that he's already in trouble. And he begins running and then he hears a horrible sound from behind him. His brain can't even register what could possibly be making this sound and under what circumstances would cause anything to make this sound. And he turns around. And he sees the mama bear now out in the open by the cub. And standing behind the mama bear is a gorilla-like creature that's two and a half meters tall, eight feet tall. He said it was a female, had large fangs, and it was holding the mama bear by its back legs. It then, in one motion, with no visible effort, hoisted the mama bear up, holding it by its hind legs, and then ripped it apart like a wishbone. (laughs) Within a matter of seconds, he said it was like nothing. Picking up this big Russian bear and just splitting it open. Fur and muscle and blood spilling out into the river. It's funny because humans really anthropomorphize nature. I was watching videos of bears in preparation for this story, little bear cubs walking around. I was like, oh, they look like dogs. Oh, look at the way, like, I can see the way the mom looks at those cubs. Kind of looks like she's a little tired because she had a long day at work. She doesn't work. She eats stuff. But we put our emotions on stuff, and I think we do the same thing with Bigfoot. We see Bigfoot as, oh, he's like this lost cryptid of this tribe or he's some species that hasn't been encountered but maybe they have rituals and they bury their dead and that's why we can't find them or maybe they get angry and they throw rocks if they exist they are beasts of the wild if they exist they fight every day against savage creatures it's less hairy in the hendersons and more like dirty hairy like you you would have to bigfoots would have to be violent by nature, because nature is violent. 
you may be able to live out in the woods as a human and grow a little uh, patch of patchouli and eat that all day long and live off four-leaf clovers and live a peaceful life. But if you didn't even have a hut, if you were living in a cave, you'd be strangling ducks all day long and beating up raccoons and eating them. That's what we used to do. We've become civilized and now we live in buildings and we don't, we just eat duck. We let someone else beat it up at a farm. But the Bigfoots never become civilized like that. Definitely not in these two circumstances. And because Bigfoot are already so hard to find, they could be doing this 24-7. They could constantly just be walking through nature, stepping on the backs of bobcats, picking up skunks and like putting their hands up their butts and using them as boxing gloves. Is it like punching elk in the face? A Bigfoot is a wild creature. And all the Bigfoot hunters and Squatch hunters and all that stuff, desperately seeking Squatch, all of them, they hope they're going to run into the Bigfoot that's like, me, Bigfoot, me, friend. But the truth is, Bigfoot's a big old monster. And yeah, it could be nice, just like you may run into a bear and it looks at you and just like walks away and you go, I had a good encounter with a bear. Not all bears are like that. The bear I met was totally fine and didn't maul me. But you're really taking your chance between Bigfoot greeting you and giving you a high five and Bigfoot grabbing your legs. And as the Bigfoot is tearing you in two, you're the one making the horrifying noise that scatters the birds from trees and makes the rest of nature go silent. Be careful out there, Bigfoot hunters. You can't find him if he's right behind you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. And Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.